You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 4, Exile and Return. Moses' life is drawing to a close, so he puts his whole heart into his final appeal for the children of Israel to obey God. He pleads, he warns, he encourages, and he confronts them with a life-and-death choice. When all these blessings and curses I have set before you come on you, and you take them to heart, wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations, and when you and your children return to the Lord your God, and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you, and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you, even if you have been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He anticipates their disobedience will be such that God will expel them out of the land they haven't even entered yet. But hardship has a way of waking us up. When they are in that dreadful situation, they will recall Moses' words, that if they repented and obeyed him wholeheartedly, God would have compassion on them and restore them to the land. Even if they have been banished to the remotest land, God is able to bring them back. He always keeps his promises. Zechariah 10.9 says, Though I scatter them among the peoples, yet in distant lands they will remember me. They and their children will survive, and they will return. He had warned them about this in Deuteronomy 4, 27-31. And it was this promise that the exiles in Babylon and Persia clung to and prayed back to God. Nehemiah prayed, We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Verses 5-10 through 10, Blessings Follow Obedience He will bring you to the land that belonged to your ancestors, and you will take possession of it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. They will not just survive, but thrive. They will grow in numbers and riches, and they would again dwell in the land. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants, so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul, and live. The sign of circumcision always represented repentance and putting away of sin. And this is done by God. He takes the initiative in our salvation. Yet in Deuteronomy 10.16, they are told to circumcise their hearts. They are responsible to do so. Both aspects are true. The reason is so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. He desires a relationship with his creatures and wholehearted love and service. This is truly living. The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies who hate and persecute you. So they will be blessed and their enemies will be cursed, fulfilling God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 12.3. 
God would punish the nations that enslaved them, like Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, and Persia. You will again obey the Lord and follow all his commands I am giving you today. It's true that after the Babylonian exile, they never again fell into idolatry. Then the Lord your God will make you most prosperous in all the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your land. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous, just as he delighted in your ancestors, if you obey the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees that are written in this book of the law, and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. The blessings would affect all areas of their lives, but they were conditional on wholehearted, sincere obedience. God hates lip service, and God promised to bless again and again. Verses 11 to 14, a simple command. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. Moses encouraged them to make the right choice now in light of previous failures. It was not an unattainable goal, requiring an epic journey to discover it. God gave them his laws and his presence was with them. It was simple yet profound. God had spoken from heaven, but he communicated his law to them through Moses so they could understand. They didn't have to search for it. God brought it to them. All the truth necessary for obedience was theirs. Verses 15 through 18, different alternatives, different results. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. The options could not be more dissimilar. Life and prosperity, or death and destruction. Does God give all these laws and promise blessings and threaten curses because he likes rules? No, his desire is to bless. He wants to do good to his people. Blessing is attached to obedience. Our obedience is a result of our love for him. Love, obedience, and blessing always go together. He always shows that disobedience leads down the road to idolatry. When we fail to worship God as we ought, we will worship something else. Verses 19 and 20, the choice of life or death, blessings and curses. Finally, the climax of his long farewell speech. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Finally, Moses forces a choice from them, with the heavens and earth called to listen and witness what they have decided. Heaven and earth can refer to God and man. They are on the plains of Moab, east of the Jordan, about to enter the Promised Land. Are they going to be disobedient like their parents, or will they go another way? The options are life or death, blessings or curses. He pleads with them to choose life, because then they and their children may live. This is a great verse for the pro-life movement in relation to abortion. If they choose life, they and their children will live. Again, it's about a relationship with the God of the universe. He wants us to love him, listen to his voice, which is another way of saying to obey him, and to hold fast to him or cling to him closely. Then he would give them many years in the land he promised centuries earlier to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the Gospel do we find in this chapter? Even though God knew that they would disobey and he would have to exile them, his command to obey was still valid, the blessings or curses would come depending on their obedience or disobedience, and his rich mercy appealed to them to return, even as they were being disciplined for their rebellion. God is still rich in mercy toward us, in that Christ died for us while we were God's enemies. Even though God knew they would disobey, he had graciously planned for their restoration because he keeps his promises. He is sovereign even over our sinful choices. He is not trying to patch up our messes, but has already gone on before. Even more so with the cross. Jesus' death was planned before the foundation of the world. The fall did not catch God off guard. He planned it all because it would bring him the most glory. God promised that when they were in exile, if they called to mind his words, that if they repented and obeyed, he'd bring them back to the land. The prodigal son was in a far country, starving, when he recalled his father's house and how even the servants had enough to eat. So he returned home and repented. He was welcomed back. God promised to circumcise their hearts so they'd love and obey him. Circumcision pictured true repentance. This is only possible in the new covenant when God gives his people a new heart. And Romans 2, 28 and 29 says, A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart, by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Moses said God had made the truth accessible to them. They didn't have to search for it. Paul said the same about the plain and understandable gospel message in Romans 10, 6-10. It is simple enough for a child to understand. He then extrapolated the idea of mouth and heart into a true confession of faith. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So both our understanding and our verbal confession are necessary. It hinges on the Lordship of Jesus and belief in the resurrection, which was the validation of his life and ministry. It proved he was who he claimed to be, and that God the Father had accepted his sacrifice in the place of sinners. Without the resurrection there is no salvation. And confession means to say the same thing or agree with someone. And we agree with God's assessment of us as helpless, hopeless sinners, and we cast ourselves on his mercy and rest in the finished work of Christ on the cross. We do this by confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. Moses told them to love and obey God. If we love Jesus, we will obey him. And his commands are not burdensome. Remember how the time flew for Jacob when he was working to earn Rachel as his wife? So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Love is a great motivator for service. Moses offered a choice of life or death, blessing or cursing. If they obeyed God's word, they would live and be blessed. Jesus laid the same choice before every person. The word has now been made flesh. Our eternal destiny depends on what we do with Jesus. There is only one way to heaven. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Deuteronomy chapter 31. May God bless the study of his word.